3: Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports, objective insight, expertise, top guest. available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on Off the Hook Sports.com. I compute and obey. Now to Dave
4: Hooker. Ready. All right, here we go before Austin P and news from Tennessee's camp. And it's not the greatest as the balls suffer an injury to another significant player. And this one may even hamper the balls a little bit more than Cooper Mays, the original injury that we talked about in preseason camp. So we'll talk about Keenan Peely. I'll give you the latest and what I'm hearing about. His potential return also on the program today. Josh Ward will join us from the sports animal. He does so every Thursday and we absolutely love that five goals for the balls to focus on versus Austin P because let's face it. The final score is not the end all be all butch Jones takes a not so subtle shot at Tennessee and Brian Kelly caught in a lie. Do we really care if coaches lie as all as long as they win also, we'll have our Week 2 SEC pick, so we're off and rolling. Caleb Calhoun, how are you, sir? I am good. It is
0: my wife's birthday, so I have a lot of pressure on me today.
4: <laughs> I do. A lovely lady that at SEC Media Days I saw for like 38 seconds um, as, <laughs> as we were so busy and moving around. So please tell her I said, uh, happy 24th birthday, because that's where I've got her pegged age-wise.
0: Oh, well, that's very nice. Not even close, but she'll be flattered. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I don't, say it. don't get yourself in trouble. All right. We've got a lot going on in the program today. Uh, unfortunately, we'll have to lead it off with some injury news. I'm sure you've heard by now. Keenan Peely is out for what's been called several weeks Um I don't know what that means as far as the number of weeks, but I can, I can tell you right now just to use that terminology, I think is uh, probably very troubling for the Peely family. What does that mean for the balls? How big of a loss is that? We get to that right now. It is today's tough question.
3: Today's tough question. Take a side, take a stand. The Dave Hooker show, a presentation of off the hook sports.com.
4: Let's start with what you thought about Keenan Peely, who got a game ball against Virginia. What did you think about his play on Saturday before we dive into the injury? Uh, Caleb, I thought he played really solid. Uh, I thought he's a a middle linebacker type who's probably not going to ring up big stats, but I think he's responsible for the defensive front and that they get in the right calls and – they looked fantastic. So I would have to give him an A+, even though the stat line is not, was not enormous. I think he had, what, four or five tackles.
0: Yeah, I, I'm with you. It's, it's pretty high for me, too. It's an A-plus a+ range. The thing that stood out to me is, and I kind of – you may have known this in – I didn't really realize this about football until a couple of years ago, but being good in coverage as a linebacker is not so much about speed as it is just kind of understanding positions and understanding where you know your footwork and how you need to get where you need to go because Jeremy Banks is faster than Keenan Peely but it seems like Keenan Peely is significantly better in pass coverage than Jeremy Banks was
4: and yeah, agree yeah.
0: yeah and so i think that Keenan Peely really showed that he 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 has the fit of okay putting aside what we thought about what the scandal Remember Penn State linebacker U always had kind of slower linebackers that were always in position, though, all the time during the Joe Paterno days? And Keenan Keenan Peely seems to have that type of profile as a player. And it's perfect for Tennessee because then it allows Aaron Beasley to do what he is best at naturally as the weak side linebacker. So, yeah, I'm with you. I give him an A-plus on that.
4: Yeah, and when – and he says uh, that the timeline, uh, I know that Josh Heupel has said over the next couple of weeks, uh, they'll they'll take a look at him and uh, anticipate as we go over the next couple of weeks, we'll kind of figure out what the timeline is for him. He said that on ball calls. And they, again, quote, hopefully we're able to get him back here in the middle part of the season. He's someone that you just hate it for him. So, I mean, that's first and foremost. And I say that because here's the young man, who went on his Mormon mission. He enrolled, he was born in 98, um, so the, the guy is uh, 25 years old. And, and he went on his Mormon mission. He played his best for BYU, brought them a, an awful lot of good football, and the makes the move. So he's not going to get another year. This is uh, year six. So first, I feel bad for the young man. But as far as when he might be back, on our message board, Travis says maybe the the Alabama game. Well, first of all, Josh Heupel plays things close to the vest, and we'll have more insight as, as as more people talk, and we'll have have more as we go along. But the Alabama game would that be an optimistic or realistic goal to have Peely back? Um, I I think it's I think it's probably a little bit uh optimistic but i will call it realistic as well if if that makes sense we'll just have to to, to see what all they find and again it, it's not a situation where he's going to release a lot of injury information nobody does at this point i can tell you that i'll have some more on that as in the coming days but uh right now um, we know it's a significant amount of time uh, expected to miss a couple of weeks, but that's what they said about uh, Cooper Mays too.
0: Yeah. And look, the thing is from a positive perspective, I'm with you. I feel awful for him, but say he gets back in late October, that's plenty of time to have an impact on the team throughout the year. Dave, you covered the 2001 team. I don't know if any players ever had an impact coming back from an injury, the second half of the season, like Dante Stallworth did in 2001. I mean, Kelly Washington had taken all the hype and the start of him And then Starworth comes back. And by the end of the year, we thought Starworth was better than Washington, honestly. And
4: and and, you know, at the at the, at the time, Kelly tricked Dante and, and into going pro early. But that's a whole nother story. Here's why Tennessee can accept this blow and. I didn't think that they could handle Cooper Maze's loss as well as they did. Now, again, everything has to be taken with the backdrop that this is Virginia last week. So everything we saw, I ha- we have to keep that in mind, okay? We can't just forget that. That's one of the worst Power Five teams in the nation. But Tennessee has built some depth. So you have a Caleb Herring that's there. You have an Arian Carter that's there. You know you have Aaron Beasley. So where this hurts you immediately is that I would think they would slide Beasley back to the middle where he played last year, and then it would be Carter or Herring on the outside. So that hurts you right now because Beasley's natural position is to play outside. But it does speak to the fact that Tennessee now has depth at that position where at least it's not like they're running a guy out there that physically just can't handle SEC play. I think you would agree – Harry and Arian Carter look like SEC players, the latter of which looks like a special SEC player to me.
0: Yeah, are you sure Arian Carter can't play inside linebacker? I mean, he committed as one.
4: Not, I'm not sure. No, I, I'll i tell you what. Yeah, and, and I'm glad you pointed that out because I'll tell you when I know something, when I'm speculating, I am speculating at this point, maybe he could. M- maybe he puts him in there. I don't think we'll know. Uh, until the balls take the field against Austin P because practice is closed. But very possible. Maybe you think long term move that he could be a middle linebacker uh, for you, not just the rest of this year, but into the future. And you kind of make that move to give him a look. Um, that's a real possibility. You just don't have a lot of games before you got to get really serious. I mean, it, had this happened in the preseason, I think you think more long-term as far as getting Beasley more than Mike if if that's where you want him. But you got Austin P, and then things get serious with the trip to Florida. And I don't care how good you think Florida is. I mean, it's still a trip to Florida.
0: Yeah, and it's still Tennessee and the history of Tennessee playing Florida that is going to be sticking in everybody's mind. So the, the reason I ask that, do you think they've, in Tennessee system, does size matter more when you're playing inside linebacker? Like, do you need to be close to Keenan Peely size, like the 240 range, or can you be in the 225, 230 range playing on the inside?
4: You know, I depends how much you ask of them in pass coverage. I, I I think you'd like that bigger guy in the 240 range, but I think you could take uh, 225. Um, but that's where they are, so they're going to be fast. I, I think I mean, this is – Because thing- Elijah
0: Herring is 238, so you could probably put Elijah Herring in at middle linebacker and have Aaron Beasley stay outside.
4: Yeah, and Dan points out of the message board the communication at the swamp. I think that's the biggest concern to me if I'm if I'm Tennessee fan right now. Communication at the swamp. This guy's been in charge of handling the line calls. I'm sure other people have done it to be ready and, and in a situation like this. But I think that's your concern. And um, yeah, you know, he, he's. I think it's incumbent upon the defensive tackles to play like they played against Virginia moving forward, and and be able to make a couple of plays at the line against the run game. But um,
1: you know, do, look at
0: you, 98 when Al Wilson made all the calls for the defense and he was the best player in the heart and soul. And he had to miss Auburn in Georgia. The defensive line stepped I mean, Sean Ellis basically stepped up and dominated <laughs> those two weeks.
4: That's a fantastic point. Hadn't thought about that. You very well might read about that on off the hook sports, uh, dot com. So how big of a loss is this for the Vols? Uh, I mean, skip yeah. I, I can't think of anybody. We had Mays as the, the player that Tennessee wanted to most wrap in bubble wrap and not get hurt. So, sure enough, he gets hurt. Uh, Peely would be that second level of guys that I if you would have asked me Sunday after I saw him one game because of, of what he brings. I mean, is there any player other than Joe Milton? on this entire roster I'm not being gloom and doom here I think Tennessee's fine because Josh Heupel has recruited some depth the linebacker position but is there really any player that you could say man uh, you'd hate to lose him way more than Keenan Pilly I mean to me there's a second level kind of there uh, outside of the quarterback position that he's one of those you did not want to lose
0: Yeah, there's a few of those. There's people on Keenan Peely's level. I think Javante Spragans is on Keenan Peely's level because that right guard is just, you can't just plug somebody in there. I think Amari Thomas, big O at defensive tackle, is in that list because Amari Thomas is the one trustworthy defensive tackle that you can watch on this Tennessee team and say that guy is there. There's a reason Josh Heupel brought Amari Thomas to SEC Media Days, and we kind of saw that last week.
4: Nope, I completely agree. It is time for 4 downs. 4 downs today is brought to you by who? That would be Andy Mason, andymasonrealestate.com.
3: 4 downs. 4 questions. 4 answers. The Dave Hooker Show. 4 4, Four? downs. A presentation of off the hooksports.com.
4: What balls are going to have fantastic seasons in the NFL and who do you most want to root for? The season starts tonight uh, on the Thursday night game. And I don't know about you, but I'm more than ready for it. Several balls we want to talk about, but it is officially football time to me when the NFL kicks in as well. Of course, we do more college, but when it's all there, that's uh, pretty exciting. So, so we get rolling uh, tonight. So we we'll get to several of those teams. But uh, how you feeling? You excited? You ready? You you good to go there, Caleb? We all ready for Ryan Tannehill winning MVP this year, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Tannehill. What about your guy from Kentucky? Um, we don't have to mention him, Dave. We don't uh, really have to say anything. I've got my Uh, coffee. I can put some mayo in it. How about that? I have
0: half. Okay, a part of me believes that the Titans, because just to stick it to all the Vol fans in Nashville, I feel like they stupidly drafted Will Levis looking back. I think they were annoyed at Vol fans being so anti-Will Levis. They wanted to make a point that we don't make decisions based on what the Vols want. I've seen pro teams do that to like slight the college team in the same market. So, yeah.
4: And Tom telling me he doesn't watch the NFL – anymore I don't know anyone I think a lot of people watch the NFL but you should at least keep up with your uh, former vols I would I would argue that so let's get it going coop what should people do as four Downs is brought to you by Andy Mason real Andy Mason real over four decades combined experience in East Tennessee best prices best service in the Knoxville area let's get it going what should people do coop Cooper Mays here hit like And subscribe all right, hit like and subscribe now and give me your thoughts on the following uh, on the following questions. We want you to be involved with the message board. You can also reach out to us via Twitter as we're live 10 a.m. each and every week. Here we go. Coop here. First down. All right, so first down, right off the top. who do you think's the fan favorite right now among active players in the NFL? a uh, former balls? And let me get your thoughts on the message board. Who is the fan fave right now? I'm going to go first. I think it's Joshua Dobbs, and I think it's clear cut.
0: Okay, I, I can get with, with Dobbs. I think I think both quarterbacks in the NFL, Dobbs and Hinton Hooker, are fan favorites. But I think the fan favorite, the actual fan favorite, is the Super Bowl champion, Trey Smith. Best story in, in Tennessee, you know. And I just, I love Trey Smith, the person I was mad when my Titans didn't draft him. And that's not just because I cover the falls.
4: I'm not one of those guys like, oh my God, you should draft a player from the team that I cover or the team that I root
0: for. You know how
4: Dave, you know how fans do On that, right? 16 minutes deep Peyton Manning deep. And we've got British voice. <laughs> that's not a British voice.
0: That's a, that's a dumb fan voice. Okay. okay. Being from Memphis Grizzly fans in the NBA, they want to draft former Memphis Tigers all the time. And I'm like, guys, that's a terrible idea. I feel like a lot of Titans fans are that way too. They're like, we should drop this vault or this. Like, they would just have an all vault team
4: in the well, NFL. In all fairness, I thought the Titans did that for marketing with guys like Joey Kent. But anyway, um, <laughs> so you think <laughs> Trey Smith is uh, a, a fan favorite? Okay, I can roll with that. It's probably Hendon Hooker now that you said it. But goodness gracious, Joshua Dobbs put up with a lot of trash, and you pointed out before that Tennessee's not even relevant if if he doesn't play at such a high level and man everybody is saying uh trey on the message board uh we got a dobbs in there as well what down now coop
3: cooper mays here second down
4: okay best ball in the nfl that was trey smith for me i don't know that there's any other direction to go the best tennessee player playing right now in the nfl is trey smith right if you if you could take one guy and put him on your favorite nfl team it's trey right
0: well, for disrespecting him, Alvin Kamara would like to take you into a Las Vegas elevator. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> okay. I,
4: I, I, I still think That's,
0: Alvin Kamara. Uh,
4: yeah, I, I, I wonder also with running backs how long the shelf life is. Um, and I don't think he helped himself with the off-field incident either. In the elevator, uh, we're going to uh, take the the high floor, high road, and what, go what is it first. with
0: running backs and elevators? I, Casino elevators, I'm I'm sorry, but you know, running back. Well, you're more
4: comfortable running in space, so you feel very (laughs) confined. What down is it, Coop? Tennessee center Cooper Mays here. Third down. Okay, compared to last year, so you can pick rookies in here because they would have an impact. Who will have the best season this year compared to last? I'm gonna give you two Dobbs because. I read an interesting thing about the Cardinals that if they play Kyler Murray and he gets hurt again, they're on the hook for like another $50 million. So the reason they went out and got Dobbs is because I think he's going to start the entire season. So I think he, he goes from a guy who started at the end of the season because the Titans had to have him to a guy who will start the entire season. That in and of itself is a, a major leap forward. Uh, the other one, though, is Jalen Hyde. I've been following a lot of his coverage out of New York. Um, the, their quarterback, who's Daniel, help me, help me.
0: Daniel Jones. He's a good quarterback. Daniel
4: Jones. Daniel Jones. For some reason, I have a, a mind uh, block with his name. But Daniel Jones requested that he sit right next to him and um, in the locker room. They have lockers next to each other. I think that 40-time at the Combine was hampered by a hamstring. I think that Jalen Hyatt might be a really savvy pick. We are not going to talk fantasy football, but might be a savvy pick. I think he has a really big year. So those are my two. Who has the best season this year compared to last year for you?
0: Okay, so I'm going to go – because he had a season-ending injury and he's back this year, I'm going to go Emmanuel Mosley with the 49ers. I'm, I mean, this is, that's one of the – he took Richard Sherman's starting job. Uh, that's one of the great stories. Another one of the players that was totally misused under Butch Jones that became a starter in the NFL. My other one is – I love your Jalen Hyatt pick, but I'm just to be different, I'm going to go Darnell Wright. I just – I'm Ooh. so high on Darnell Wright. And Ooh, regardless of how little I think of Justin Fields as a quarterback, and I think very little of Justin Fields as a quarterback, I think you still will notice Darnell Wright playing well up on the front.
4: Ooh, Yeah, and if you get a guy that starts 17 games off the bat and – it grades out fairly well. That's, that's really, really good. So that's, that's a very good pick. I like that. And uh, lastly, I'm going to change it up. Uh, we had a our 345 production meeting this AM, but uh, we were going to go one direction, but I'm going to change it up a little bit. What down Cooper? Cooper Mays here. Second down. Hendon Hooker will. Oh, was that second? All SEC center Cooper Mays here. Fourth down. All right. It was a penalty. We got that down back. Um, so, Hendon Hooker has no impact, some impact, a big impact for the Detroit Lions this season. Um,
0: I say no impact. I am very, very, very high on Hinden Hooker long-term, but I think Hinden Hooker has got to spend a full year learning the offense. I mean, look, the fact is, Josh Heupel's system doesn't fully prepare you for the NFL, so he's kind of in an Aaron Rodgers situation with, green bay whereas they jeff tedford helped raise aaron Rodgers' profile but didn't develop him for the nfl so he had to sit for a year and actually learn how to play quarterback at the nfl level i think the same thing is going to have to happen with hendon hooker so i'm going to say no impact this year but starting yeah. next year
4: i'm going to say he has an impact you know i hated that pick for hendon when it happened but i have looked into the lions more you said at the time they're better than you think they're not the old lines i was like caleb whatever and um, Pardon me, but, but I'm on board now. And I think Jared Goff, just I, being a guy who's watched football for 25 years or more, 40 years, whatever, I think that he is I, – I, I think Jared Goff's terrible. I mean, I really do. And I think Hendon Hooker is a part of their future, and he could be a factor this year. I, I really do. So I think
0: if, if Jared Goff is terrible, though, they're just going to choose to be awful this year and get another high draft pick and have Hooker ready to go next year.
4: Yeah, that's fair. All right, so here we go. Um, we're going to add, if Elias said it, we need a fifth down. We do. Uh, so Colorado do fifth expect, down. Yeah, what do you expect <laughs> out of Dobbs? But we need to
0: get, because we did de- for those who don't know, yes, Josh Dobbs was named the starter for Arizona's week one. Got to get, and I just first off, want to say a massive congratulations to him. He, he's deserved, you know, a guy who's been a, Long term backup, but has always been a hard worker and has always been just really a guy you want on your team. Am I right, Dave? And was I thought got an unfair shake, similar to Casey Clawson in the early 2000s, got a bit of an unfair shake with Tennessee in the mid 2010s. And I think his stock has risen since we've seen how bad his coaching was. All that being said, I don't expect a playoff appearance or that much success from Josh Jobs starting this year. I think he maintains a starting job throughout the year, though. I'm with you on that. But much as I love Josh Jobs, he just – Davey just doesn't have a good arm. He's got a very weak arm, honestly.
4: Yeah, there's some truth to that. I think he's a classic guy who's absolutely maximized uh, his his ability, Um, and that's very respectable. But respectable doesn't mean – you necessarily get uh, into the NFL and win Super Bowls. Uh, ability is a big part of it. In exactly two minutes, we will visit with Josh Ward. The keys to Tennessee having a successful day against Austin P aren't just winning on the scoreboard. They can work on themselves in a game like this. What are those goals that the Vols hope to accomplish? Josh Ward of the Sports Animal will join us in two minutes. Hang tighties. Caleb Calhoun Dave booker. Our family has been creating one-of-a-kind pieces of jewelry in West Knoxville since 1986. Each piece is a combination of unique processes that bring your idea to life. Every day in our shop, a truly special item with a story all its own is being manufactured in our facility, bringing the history and family sentiment into a whole new generation of life. We are grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler, a title that we value and respect. Because to me, being a jeweler and owning a jewelry store are not the same thing. I'm Rick Terry, I'm a jeweler, and we want to be your jeweler. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street right next to the Tennessee Theater.
3: Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. far better than moonshine. A drink that holds flavor that becomes necessity. A hard cider made and relished by folk who are as hearty as they are legend. A refreshment that can only be found in one place. With a taste that makes you say, give me three bottles of the good stuff. Tennessee Cider Company. Where necessity can be found. Objective coverage. Hey, that's new. If we get caught, we're going to jail. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports, YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. I'm going to need to see some identification. Back to Dave Hooker.
4: Welcome back joined by a very special guest each and every Thursday it is Josh Ward of the Sports Animal you can listen to him noon to 3 he's fantastic Josh how are you sir Good guys good to be back with you Uh the Keenan Pilly before we get to a couple of things we want to talk to you about the the Keenan Pilly hit um is certainly a blow for the balls And I certainly feel bad for him. He doesn't have a lot of eligibility left. Are you you hearing anything of a possible return date? I have not to, to this point.
1: Nothing soon. So I think Tennessee is planning to be without him for several weeks. The fact that Josh Heupel had to address the idea that he could be out for the season tells us that it's probably going to be a while. So I think right now Tennessee is preparing for Elijah Herring and the other young linebackers to be ready to play for a while alongside Aaron Beasley. How much bigger of a mess would Tennessee have
4: been in um, two years ago if they didn't have a young Arian Carter, if they didn't have a young Elijah Herring?
1: They would have been in huge trouble. Um, They were fortunate last year, besides some off-field issues, to not really have that depth challenged by injury. This year we talked so much about the depth and immediately it's going to be challenged. So we will find out more about these young players that we've talked about and heard good things about because they will be needed right away, right away. Meaning after the Austin P game, there's no risk here of anything going wrong for them. But next week, Tennessee goes to the swamp. And then beyond that, the schedule will get continuously tougher through SEC play. So assuming Keenan Peely is out for several weeks, for at least a few SEC games, then these young players will be tested. But Tennessee, I believe, is in a better position than it would have been if it dealt with this a year ago, definitely two years ago.
4: That leads us to Josh's column on Sports.com. Be sure and check it out. Josh's appearance today brought to you by Herald Group Security Solutions, and I'll tell you more about them momentarily. But five goals for the, fo- for the Vols to focus on – for Austin P, they're going to win the game, but you can get better in these games. It's the closest thing you have. Like the NFL has a bye week. And you mentioned right up towards the top, uh, get, address the linebacker situation now with Peely. And that makes natural sense. Um, how do you think they'll address that? Who, who plays the mic? Who does Beasley slide back outside? How do you think they address it?
1: Well, I think the two starters will be Beasley and Herring. And then we'll see a lot of Arion Carter, and I think this game was this game is a a chance to see which players the coaches believe they can really rotate in and count on when the games matter. It's easy to rotate players against Virginia and to rotate players against Austin P because n- nothing can go wrong in terms of the outcome. Mistakes actually will be made, but then you mm-hmm. can learn, OK, who's ready, who's not. But this game will be about getting Elijah Herring more opportunity out there. I'll be curious to see how much Aaron Beasley plays because uh, he is so important to the defense. Now you're already down a man. You don't want to risk injury. And I view this kind of as a, a scrimmage slash preseason game if you want to make an NFL comparison. Mike Tomlin recently was asked about playing guys in preseason games versus resting them. And his opinion was... Well, if you're going to go box, you need to spar. So there's a chance to get Aaron Beasley some reps, but he's played a lot. So you can play him and then get him off the field and get more time for players like Elijah Herring and Arion Carter, who are the next two guys up. And Caleb Perry should be considered in this conversation. Jeremiah Tlander is another freshman they like. We always ask, how much do you trust freshmen? We might find out here in the next two weeks. But I think we see a lot of Herring and Arion Carter early uh, to go along with the other guys.
4: Hey, before we get to your next one, can we clarify something real quick? Because this came up on the message board. Was Peely injured in practice? Didn't notice anything Saturday, Charles says.
1: Um, No, he was injured in the game. But they didn't realize it until later on. So he played through the injury, not necessarily catching that anything was wrong. And uh, that that happens sometimes. But that was my understanding with Keenan Peely. The injury occurred during the game. They discovered it later. Yeah, and what I wanted to get to,
4: Polynesians are tough SOBs. So he may have injured it on the first play. Play, I mean, really. And I'm not, just as as a group of people, they take so much pride in football. Yeah, it was my understanding it happened during the game. So uh, I just want to clarify that for a message
1: board. Caleb,
0: uh, Josh, moving on uh, to different rotations. You talked about setting the offensive line as a goal in the game on Saturday. Uh, you mentioned left guard and right tackle as areas they're looking at. I agree with you about left guard. I, I want to know if left tackle may be a bigger question than right tackle, only because as good as John Campbell Jr. is in terms of raw talent, he still makes a lot of mental lapses in the game, whereas Jeremiah Crawford, you, I, I don't know if I've ever seen a mistake from Jeremiah Crawford since he's been at Tennessee, honestly. So is it possible left tackle could be a little more open than right tackle?
1: Well, that hasn't been suggested to me. So um, it, the coaches may be looking at that and try, because their goal is to get the best five. We hear that all the time, right? But uh, we know who the starting center is when he's available. That's Cooper Mays. We know who the right guard is. That's Javante Sprague. And so you really have three other positions to figure out. And you have, uh, I guess you have three tackles for two spots that the coaches have trusted different times. Crawford, Mincy, I should say four. Crawford, Mincy, Uh, Campbell, and then Dane Davis, who's also been an interior option with Cooper's absence. So that's probably more the focus right now or for this week. So that has not been suggested to me, but perhaps that's something they look at as guys play in different positions. And Mincy has worked, we know, at left tackle back in August, the word was more at left tackle than right tackle where Jeremiah Crawford was or has been.
4: Before we move on to a guy that everybody will always want to talk about, and of course, that is Nico. Everybody has to bet a mortgage payment whether or not Cooper Mays will play against Florida. Caleb, you go
1: first.
0: No, he won't play.
1: Josh, whose mortgage payment am I betting? <laughs> Your mortgage payment. Uh, I've been very skeptical. I know Josh Heupel is talking optimistically there. So I'll still say no. I need more proof from behind the scenes that he's going to be ready to go against Florida as opposed to optimistically looking ahead to what he will be able to do. I will say no. I'm about 60-40 though, so I don't feel a hundred percent. So I would not
4: make the bet. You got make time for Nico. What are you doing? Trying to just stir up the fans and start a quarterback controversy. I mean, good gravy. They were Vol Twitter was going insane for Nico in the first quarter of the Virginia game. You're starting yeah. trouble. You're like the Paul Feinbaum of Knoxville Radio. Uh
1: similar build, I must admit, but um <laughs> He, here's the deal. Colors. Yeah. <laughs> Austin P. Probably not going to be a, a very good matchup. Um, looking at Tennessee. I think the Vols will probably take a lead early. And I think they'll build that pretty quickly. And then I think it'll be time to get Joe and several starters out of there to get ready for Florida. And um, it. It's officially been addressed by Josh Heupel, I guess, last night on call, saying, no, there, there's no plan to redshirt Nico. That's been a common question to us on my radio show, and I'm, I'm sure you guys have, uh, have been asked. We may have talked about it. At no point were they thinking, we need to redshirt Nico. They've been thinking, we need to get Nico ready. He's the number two guy. If he needs a redshirt for a fifth season, something has gone very wrong with Nico's potential and development could be because of injury could be performance could be a number of reasons, but nobody, Josh Heupel, Joey Halsley, I don't know if Joey Halsley plans to be here in five years to coach Nico. So they (laughs) want to, you know, they want to coach him now and get him ready. And the plan is for Joe to continue to have success, but that might not pan out over the course of the rest of the season. Or of course there's the concern for injury. They have two scholarship quarterbacks. So Nico's played a little bit against Virginia and that's it. He needs to play a lot. Last year, Joe Milton entered the game in the second quarter against UT Martin, and there's a chance Nico could do the same this weekend. Here's the rub, guys, is that,
4: okay, Cooper's not going to play this week, so you put, of course, Ollie Lane in. So let's say you're up 35-0 to at halftime. You want to put some Nico in to see what he can do, but suddenly he's playing against what would have been your third-string center just about a month ago. I mean, that's that's the rub. And the last thing you would want, again, it's Austin P. Let me stop myself. The last thing you would want is yeah. some pressure in the middle and get him hurt.
1: Yeah, this isn't uh, the, the third string center against Florida's 400 pound defensive tackle. That's not I, I what we're discussing stupid. here.
4: I felt stupid in the middle of that statement.
1: Yeah, the, the, Guys, they should so be able talking- to get away with four offensive linemen and be able to protect against Austin P. with all due respect. With all due respect, whenever you say that, you're just disrespecting somebody. With all due respect, you couldn't create a pass rush if Tennessee yeah. had two options. With all due respect, does not necessarily mean with a lot of due respect. It's just 100% <laughs> of what is due in this case. With all due respect, you put on some weight. Caleb,
0: what's that love. We do have to love that we that we're not covering a team coached by Nick Saban because you know he'd be so mad at us in this press conference today. He would say that we're responsible for his team not getting focused to play Austin P and they're such a threat. And
1: the Tin Horn game,
4: <laughs> yes, yes, right. they
0: run through our A like S through a tin horn.
4: <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Travis says no one can throw, no one can throw like Gaston, no one can run like Gaston. Yeah, I think you'll see more Gaston than you will Nico, but. Uh, we shall see. And so, your your final uh, topic up there was uh, about the younguns. Can you tell us about that? Why that's a a goal?
1: Empty the bench, play them all, and get an idea. Like the linebacker position, I'm sure they already plan to play these young guys. It's just that one's going to be playing more quickly than expected, and then on to the next one. But uh, David Hobbs is a guy that they like a lot as a freshman defensive lineman. And Young doesn't have to be freshman. That's just a lot of what we're going to talk about, but. Uh, some second-year guys, like at wide receiver, we should see Caleb Webb and Chaz Nimrod get some opportunities, uh, along with Laycock, who is a freshman wide receiver that they like a lot in terms of his potential. So, really, every position group, the secondary, we've heard so much about Rick Gibson, Jordan Matthews, John Slaughter, play those guys. Uh, so, by the third quarter, we should be took we should be seeing a lot of the 2022 and 2023 class members out there playing uh the offensive line by the way when we talk about that and trying to figure out who are your guys setting your offensive line who are the guys next year so they they're hoping to not have too many injuries to where they really run into a depth issue this year but they have a bunch of seniors they have to replace for next year's offensive line and i know there will be the transfer portal but some of these young linemen that they brought in last year and this year should get a lot of run against austin p as well
4: Yep,
1: and it is time to Look back
4: in time. Things going so well for Tennessee, and then there's $8 haircut. What the
3: H? What the? What was he thinking? Release the hounds. The Dave Hooker Show. Keep, 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 keep cool. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. All
4: right, Josh, what did you think about Butch Jones referring to there's a negative fan base out there subtle shot at tennessee after he had his little fest on the sideline and um wow what's wrong with that dude
1: yeah probably a number of things at this point um he's not winning a lot he's made a lot of money and that should i think help a lot of people in stressful work environments feel a little bit better but i'm not sure that it is there is a bit of a a Spider-Man meme here because he's not wrong in that the Tennessee fan base continues to follow and watch and uh, make fun of, in in this case, what's going on with Butch Jones. He also is well aware that that is happening on social media. So it's kind of like the two sides can't quit each other. But the problem (laughs) for Butch Jones is, he is losing a lot. And that's, I'll be honest, I thought he was, he would go there and do well enough because coaches have gone to Arkansas State, had had a lot of success, and then jumped to or back to a power five position. That just has not worked out. That was an embarrassing performance. I know it's Oklahoma, but 73 to nothing uh, goes without saying how bad that is. So, yeah, that, but neither, neither side can quit each other. M- message boards, Twitter threads are always filled with Butch Jones chatter with what's going on. Travis says, I welcome every single
4: one of Butch's failures. Uh, he can go kick rocks. Uh, Caleb knows he's, history. He's not snapping and clearing. I think it is safe to say that. He's, remember, he, uh, what was the saying? It wasn't, it was like a pound the rock saying that he had at, brick at Tennessee. Brick? brick by brick. Well, he had the same yeah. thing. If you remember at Cincinnati, it was pull the rope. So does he have a saying at Arkansas State at this point?
1: Get back up and try again.
3: <laughs> get
1: back up and try. just give it your best Look
0: guys the only thing that Tennessee's missing with Butch Jones this year Josh as you know they wouldn't have to play their backups against Austin Peay because the backups could just get the mental reps you know oh, every every, every
1: yes. yeah leadership reps every,
0: leadership rep that's right leadership rep mm-hmm. but if you don't get it doesn't matter if you don't get an actual rep you still get a leadership rep by not playing
4: what about the guy that put his arm around him? Is that guy a champion of life as he's on the sidelines getting beat 73 to 0?
1: Well, that player I don't I don't know anything about him specifically, but I could imagine that if he were to fall on a helmet, he would be the kind that it would not keep from being able to pick himself back up and and succeeding into the future. Can we do we want That's to play true. this Sorry, Josh. Do we want to play
4: this clip real quick? Because this is pretty fantastic. Here, let's just pull this up here. Uh, there's the butcher um, with the eight dollar haircut that might just be six dollars because he's losing some of it. Uh, if you're not on, if you're on an audio platform, we're, we're looking at this press conference. So go ahead and fire this off. If
3: you look at social media message talk about your team, or just kind of I don't check that at all. I mean, I, I, would, I would hope there would be people that would be upset. I mean, they, mean, they have passion, but also I know that a lot of that is from another fan base.
4: So I don't pay much attention to that. Um,
0: That's the only part that matters.
4: Yes, we would like to thank Aquaman for providing that audio. Um,
0: <laughs> I, I, don't pay, I don't pay much attention to that, but it's from another fan base, which means you pay attention to it.
4: Right. Josh, how much uh, – we got cliché by cliché and tier by tier on the message board. Josh, how much do you think of his downfall at Tennessee was because he cared what everybody thought too much? I mean, who you know, who cares? I, I, we've seen Sean Payton talk about Russell Wilson. You're not trying to be a politician. Just go out there and play or win football games.
1: Yeah, I think Butch Jones changed during his time at Tennessee. I think he got to Tennessee when it was the honeymoon phase and did well in recruiting and a lot of people bought in and – really did back up the brick-by-brick brick slogan. Fans were all in on that for the first couple of years. But at some point, the results had to follow, and they didn't get to where fans expected, where Butch Jones thought they would. They fell short of the big-picture goals of winning the East and winning winning SEC titles and all that. And the pressure started to build, and I think it really affected Butch Jones. Then there are other layers. Uh, managing big-time players that you were recruiting to Tennessee, there's a skill to that. The strength coach changed. That was mishandled. But Butch Jones was too thin-skinned at Tennessee and worried about things that he shouldn't have been worrying about. He should have been spending more time on his job and worrying less about what was being said on the outside. The outside noise affected him at Tennessee, and it probably still is to this point. There's not as much coverage, of course, at Arkansas State as there is at Tennessee, but uh, the results have been even worse, and that's affecting him too. It is amazing to me how you would allow yourself to care
4: about stuff. And I don't typically make fun of people when they're down, but he was a sociopath that threatened the media behind closed doors to kind of control the narrative as somebody referenced on the message board. And that's fact. I mean, he had guys that got out of the media business partly because of that. Uh, well, let me ask you guys and Caleb knows history like nobody's business when it comes to Tennessee Uh, He's the worst coach in Tennessee football other than blank. I think Derek (laughs) Dooley's the
1: worst. Oh, you think Dooley's worse than The Butcher? Yeah, Butch just won so much more than Derek Dooley. Like, what did, give me one good thing Derek Dooley did?
3: I think
1: he lost the streak against Kentucky. He thought that in 2012, there was no need to sign an offensive lineman as a coach in the SEC. That's so true. no, I think Derek Dooley's the worst. And by the way, still defends that decision. In hindsight, Derek Dooley has still said, "Yeah, but people forget that we had this great offensive line that was coming back." And my response would be, "Did you forget that they don't stay forever? That they go pro?" So uh, yeah, I think Derek Dooley's the worst. His record is abysmal. Uh, I thought he was a total fraud when he was the head coach, and and he left Tennessee in an awful position. Yeah, it's a pretty good one. He, he because he had a southern accent, he acted like he was one of the people. When the truth is that uh, the way he really acted is like he was above everybody else. Not true at all. I'm
0: actually going. I'm actually going to push back a little bit on Josh on this. Oh, Caleb, loves
1: Derek Dooley. No,
0: I do not love Derek Dooley. You are right. Derek Dooley was the he's the most condescending coach ever in, in the media. I've never seen a more condescending head coach in interviews in the media. I mean, he always talked like he was smarter than you, and it was annoying because he wasn't showing, but. I do think Derek Dooley, the one thing I give him that I don't give Butch Jones, Derek Dooley took over Tennessee in a much worse situation than Butch Jones took over Tennessee. I mean, it's not even comparable.
1: What? No, I don't agree with that at all.
0: You don't agree with that at all? The, no. the whole post-Kiffin NCAA investigation that Derek Dooley inherited in 2010 –
1: yeah, I don't I don't think that affected them much at all. They still recruited just fine. I think the roster uh remember when Butch Jones inherited the program at Tennessee as well, they were at that point a half decade removed from any kind of success. Derek Dooley inherited the program two years after they played in the SEC title. Uh he also had I think he had more talent to work with. Uh neither inherited an ideal situation. Uh I'm not saying that uh about either. But uh, to say that it's not close, I think is just is crazy. Uh, t- that that class that Lane left in terms of the early enrollees was uh, was it included Juwan James? It included Tyler Bray, who had NFL talent. I think Derek Dooley was awful for Tyler Bray because there was no leadership from the head coach, and Tyler at that time, as a 18 year old coming in from high school, needed to mature. Derek Dooley was the worst coach for him. So I think there was a ton for. Butch Jones to have to clean up when he took over the perception around Tennessee's program was really bad. Here's part of the problem with that is the perception
4: was bad. And I think the Butch Jones fell into that trap too, guys. I think he, he told a reporter afterwards when Tennessee struggled uh, and he was at Alabama at one point, he, he told a reporter, he said, you know, I had uh, you guys talking to the reporter at nine wins. That's pretty good. And uh, what was wrong with that? And now you're struggling. I think that was part of the problem. And Tennessee's fan base got caught up in that. Uh, both you guys, Josh, if you want to jump in, and Caleb. I think Tennessee's fan base wondered if they could ever be a championship contending team. And Josh Heupel has remarkably changed that in just a couple of years.
1: Yeah, Heupel, Heupel's changed it quickly. Um, so, but when remember when... When Butch signed that 14 class with all the in-state guys, I think the expectation at the time was, hey, we are we are on our way back and we'll be there pretty soon. And then the 15 class that included so many highly touted guys like Khalil McKenzie, that was stacking top five to top ten classes in back-to-back years. And at that point, Josh Dobbs had taken over, and there was a belief that, okay, he's ready to take the next step. And I, I think fans still believe the program – was close to a championship level. Heupel, I think, inherited the spot where it was. It had the most people saying, "Man, can can we really get back there?" Because it had been more than a decade at that point since Tennessee had competed for an SEC title. And then is in the position that it's in. So I think with each coach, there was pretty quick buy-in. I mean, the the craziest thing to me about the Derek Dooley era, and there was a long list of crazy things, but this is number one for me, is that remember Eric Berry. Had beef with Derek Dooley. And a lot of people sided with Derek Dooley (laughs) over Eric Berry, who is a top five legend, in my opinion, in Tennessee football, at least in the the modern history of Tennessee football. And at the time, because of the coach worship with Derek Dooley, a lot of people said, Eric's in the wrong here. And he was not. They were lying about Eric Berry. That was one of my. It it was insane. What was the beef well it had to do with art evans and i'm not i'm not saying that eric's opinion was was totally on board uh with reality in terms of art and his performance at tennessee but there there was an issue with art evans and Derek dooley and eric went public with it and tennessee through a number of people put out this flat-out lie that they had tried to get in touch with eric and he and he was uh non-communicative with them he's like uh there are a number of ways to get in touch with Eric Berry, who plays for the Kansas City Chiefs. The media could get in touch with him, but they just flat out lied, and that came—that all came from Derek Dooley. Remember, there was the issue with a number of former players, and he had the—I think you asked one of the questions of the follow-up, Dave, where Derek Dooley was talking about. Uh, former players having an issue coming to the facility or getting to practice. And he had this policy. You had to call ahead and you had to get on a list. And he was like, I call my brother. How difficult is it? Boom. I was like, that well, was hey, crazy. moron, what if nobody answers? What if nobody calls back? So uh, it was just it was an embarrassing ride for three years. And fans pretty quickly after that figured out, wait a minute, you know, that Kentucky loss caused a lot of people to say, yeah, I don't know. And when all the assistant coaches decided to jump ship and get away, uh, that was another sign that, yep, yeah, this probably didn't have too much time. But in that first year and a half, Uh, It was it was at times shameful, the amount of backing that Dooley had versus people that had actually done good things for Tennessee.
4: Yeah, I got lambasted for that. And the reason I asked that question, which led to that, was because five players called me the day before and said they couldn't get into practice. And I know this is a a week to celebrate Condridge Holloway, but he was put in charge of handling dozens of phone calls from former players that want to go to practice. He didn't have time for that.
1: Yeah, it was just it was stupid by Derek Dooley. He uh, he didn't know what he was doing and he was trying to implement something that was unnecessary and he had it poorly organized in the process. So it was was one of the many things he worried about. Like when we talk about Butch Jones worrying about things that didn't matter and he did. And that was one of his issues. I mean, the the stories of Derek Dooley, how much he was concerned about his office and the view of it when they were redoing uh, some of the facility uh, stuff there. He was worried about things that he shouldn't care about at all. But. That again is why he had the embarrassing results that he did.
4: Yeah, and at the bottom of but the, the bottom line is, I know you guys debated a little bit who took over the tougher job. But at the very top, there was not a Don Plowman. So at the very top, there was not. Yeah, a big they didn't plowman.
1: they didn't have the right leadership in place for yeah. the the head coaches who were. I mean, Derek Dooley was definitely in over his head. He he had just gone four and eight at Louisiana Tech, and all of a sudden he's at the head coach at tennessee so uh to caleb's point about inheriting the position that he did Derek dooley was so poorly equipped to take on that challenge but jones at least had you know, some kind of idea of what it was going to take he just he couldn't he couldn't get there he his plan wasn't all that bad he recruited a, a high level and uh, while we mocked some of the things that he said early on again a lot of people bought into it and if he had had the results that he hoped to have and fans hoped to have, then all that stuff is celebrated today. But he became more frustrating for fans. The press conferences became a turnoff. He, uh, like the fell in a helmet thing, that goes into one of the topics today, I believe, just flat-out lying at his press conference. And everybody knew that it was a lie, but he did it because of who knows what kind of concept he had in his, in his mind. And I've heard that the players behind the scenes even made fun of him. Like, come on, that's the best you could come up with? So... Uh, yeah, it's just there. We you could do a book on on just the the press conference and public image of the head coaches from yeah. Kiffin's kind of a separate uh, separate story. That'd be like the forward maybe to the book. But then you have the Dooley. Who remember remember at his opening press conference, Dave? You and I looked at each other like this isn't going to work out, right? I think we just maybe disagreed <laughs> we, on how long it would take we, for it to not work out. We actually said but that. He, he said he he said you're not going to because Kiffin had all had all these one liners and all this media attention and Dooley said you're not going to get that from me then he goes and does a a shower press conference and a where's Rommel line and talking about bamboo and then you know the, the butch era speaks for itself and then Jeremy Pruitt who never could figure out how to how to put the gator on his head so uh it's it's been an amazing run that now has Tennessee in the place where it should have been all along with a guy who knows what he's doing, and Josh Heupel. I don't know if he's going to win championships, but he's he has a much better understanding of what his job is, both in coaching, both in handling players, uh, working with administration, which is also in a better position, like you mentioned with Dondi and uh, Danny White. And then I think I think Heupel is continuing to grow in terms of public media relations. I think he's more comfortable than that uh, in that role than he was two years ago. So that would be an example of his him continuing to develop. He's still pretty pretty new into his uh role as a head coach this is year six for him right so uh it's just if you compare those eras it, it when we talk about night and day it's it's earth to mars when we talk about josh heupel compared to tennessee's previous head coaches
0: josh can at least scout a talent well i will say that
1: pruitt did leave
0: pruitt oh, yeah. at least scouted talent talent well yeah the, the 2019
1: talent. class was was well evaluated it was just poorly uh implemented Right, if you take sure. the one skill out of all three of
4: them, Pruitt's talent evaluation was the best of any skill.
1: Besides quarterback. He, he screwed up
4: quarterback evaluating. No, I oh, okay. agree with that. But if you had to take one skill between the three of them, is that the best skill that all three possess?
0: Pruitt's talent evaluation?
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because he, he also, he knew the other guys that he had to go get, and some of them he just missed out on to the, the schools that Tennessee is competing against now. But, yeah, I think... Uh, across the board, besides quarterback, Pruitt's tal- talent evaluation, not perfect. Nobody is, but I think it was really good. Josh, can the-
0: get Hinden Hooker, though, to be fair, with quarterback?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, he, he left some parting gifts, and I'm not kidding. Uh, Hooker was one. Byron Young coming in as a Juco transfer that they found was really good, and a few others, too. But, yeah, Hooker and Byron Young were, they were n- nice gifts that were left to the new coaching staff. Josh, great job on the column, as always. Uh, we
4: greatly appreciate it. Tennessee does have some goals, so people can check that out on offthehooksports.com. There are goals out there other than just beating uh, Austin Peay. What are you smiling at, Josh, before I let you out Rocky
1: Top Tom says, no, the, the best quality was Jones was the best BSer. That's pretty good, too. <laughs> it's, a, it's a skill. Pretty good on. Thanks Jones- for cleaning that up, too. Jones that?
0: Did, butch did not understand i will say this one thing that every other coach i think understood that butch didn't understand he didn't realize that people covering him are not supposed to be mouthpieces for the program that like i remember him saying well in the there, with there are, comment, but
1: you're you're correct you are correct for sure he is far from the only coach that thinks that though that's, okay not the only he's not the only tennessee coach from the last 10 years that had that same opinion poor josh has three kids under the age
4: of five and he's got a show to do but i gotta ask one quick question My favorite stupidity moment from that whole period was the (laughs) locker room door. I'm talking about the whole decade. Opportunity,
1: (laughs) Dave. Where is it?
4: It says opportunity, and it's supposed to be now and here, but they run the words together. I don't know if you can find a picture of that, uh, Caleb, but it's opportunity, and it reads like opportunity is nowhere. So you step into that locker
1: room, and there is no opportunity anywhere to be found. Yeah, well, remember that that was also – I believe the same season, but followed up by the orange dog. Remember the orange dog they brought out as a motivational piece, and that was. This remember. is 2011, so this is just a, uh, a, a an unforgettable time in Tennessee football history. Uh, I'll, I have a story to go with that as well. 2011, they have Vanderbilt and Kentucky to cl- <laughs> there. It is to close oh, out dude, the the regular season. They they're four and six. They need to go. Two and zero in the final two games. They beat Vanderbilt. Remember in the in the uh, overtime interception, and there's this big celebration. So, I'm in the in the locker room post game or the media room, and I ask a player how big the win is, and he says, "Oh, it's huge. We're bowl eligible now." And I said, "Well, you got to beat Kentucky next week to be bowl eligible," and he was like, "Oh yeah," <laughs> and I thought, "That's not a good sign for where the mindset is here." And they went out there and just played one of the most embarrassing games that Tennessee fans have ever watched with that loss against Kentucky with a wide receiver playing quarterback. So the the orange dog gave them the inspiration for that one win, but he forgot to remind them they needed two wins.
4: Yeah. yeah, Tra- that's Travis saying, I do wish Dave and Caleb wore an orange or shade of glasses. I, I will go ahead and say, Josh, uh, it didn't go this far. I think that Josh Heupel wins a national title at Tennessee. And that's Josh. You know me. I wouldn't say that if I didn't believe it, would I? I mean, you've known me for what, twenty years?
1: Yeah, I mean to um, to Travis's point, my understanding is that you pray every night before bed that they don't. So for you to make that kind of claim is <laughs> pray that they don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No. Uh. That yeah. That's a that's a very bold claim because it's so difficult. But can it happen? Absolutely. I think Josh Heupel, uh I think Josh Heupel will have them in a position to have a legitimate shot at a title. It's so difficult, but they're going to be, there's going to be a 12-team playoff. They're going to be in it a bunch with Josh Heupel, and they'll be one of those teams that can actually win it, not one of those teams that gets there and they're about to get beat down when they play one of the high-level teams. I think in the next two or three years, Tennessee will have a shot at a national title. Yep, great
4: stuff, Josh. We took too long, man. I apologize. Have a blessed day. Best to you and those little ones, and uh, we, we certainly appreciate it. Yep, it's fun. Thanks, guys. Thank you, sir. Good Josh. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I do believe he wins a national title at some point at Tennessee. And I and yeah. somebody said somebody said that I'm a a, a Pal. Uh, I'm sorry. Somebody knows I'm from Powell. That's weird. Yeah, I got my Ph.D., Powell High Diploma, after three years of PMS, Powell Middle School. <laughs> um, but um, Dave's a Michigan fan. No, I hate the Big Ten. No, I think that Josh Eiple wins a national title at, at Tennessee. Yeah, and I think...
0: And I'll say this with Josh and with with Josh Heupel, I don't mind coaches being adversarial with the media as long as they understand what our job is versus what their job is. Because, like, that's my problem with Nick Saban is he expects Alabama to be his mouthpiece and do him favors to cover his team. I don't think he knows that's what their job is or expects that to be their job. He just knows he can get away with it i'll give you dave you covered fulmer for years i've been very critical of fulmer in the past but i feel like fulmer understood that the media's job was different from his job didn't he
4: um yeah by the way just got a text from him uh he'll be on our celebrate 98 series next week so um we're looking forward to that i um yes i think he i think he understood my job um I think that, and I've said this before publicly. I think the uh, athletic director at the time, Mike Hamilton, was playing both sides, and that that maybe made him misunderstand my job. Does that make sense? Um, right. I think he was getting a different message than I was getting, and I don't think he ever understood John Adams's job. Who joins us every Tuesday? <laughs> I don't think he, <laughs> to the end of time, will ever understand what John Adams brought to. <laughs> Ever, ever, yeah, ever, yeah. ever. You're I don't. Right think, on that. Yes, I don't think that will ever happen. So, yes and no. I kind of answered it both ways. Josh made a reference to coaches' lie. Do we care if coaches lie? I want to get into that because one of the most prominent SEC coaches caught in a lie, and I think Josh Hypo fibbed a little bit recently. So, do you care if your coaches lie, as long as they win? Ninety seconds with Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. Stay tuned.
3: Katis, I was, I was really heavy into the drug culture. Um, I was selling drugs. I was just constantly in pain. I was missing like a good support system in my life. Katis has given me everything that I need in order to successfully have a wonderful recovery, in order to have a life that I didn't even know was possible. Before. And it's not just about me anymore. And I love that. I absolutely love it. You
1: can take your life back. Call Katis today.
3: With all that sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts, OW! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK vision correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah! You're listening to the Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of Off The internet is full of pictures of each and every one of you. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off The Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Is there nothing you people can't do? Also available on offthehooksports.com.
4: I got to take a quick second, if you don't mind, because we got a lot of people on board right now. So if you're on board or one of the originals, and I can remember when we uh, you know, had six or eight people on and it's, it's grown and uh, a couple of things. Uh, first of all, you're greatly appreciated and I appreciate it when you support our advertisers because that's why we're here. And uh, But just a couple of things real quick uh, As we go into football season number two Just want to say thank you so much for all that uh helped us get things started and, and, and Including Amanda who moved on to other things And Caleb Giroux who is awesome And Caleb Calhoun who is just fantastic So here I am sitting here after a year launch And we're going to have Philip Fulmer uh, On our Celebrate 98 series We're going to have um T Martin on Friday on our celebrate 98 series uh which is awesome Fred White uh lining a lot of that up and uh we topped a big mark in terms of views uh we're talking six digits in the past 28 days on our YouTube channel and I've got a bleep ton of books that are about to be delivered to my home to celebrate 98 uh book that I'll be able to uh get to you it's on Amazon right now but quite frankly. Uh, They take a huge cut. And if you'd like an autographed version, we're going to have a shop set up with uh, more things. So I just want to say thanks to all those that are part of it, specifically Caleb Calhoun. None of this would be possible if uh, not for you and the work you put in on a day-to-day basis. So kind of had one of those tingly feel good moments there during the break. And uh, I thought I'd uh, share that with the people that are on, on board. Uh, We can't thank you enough. And Caleb, I can't thank you enough as well.
0: Thank you. Appreciate it, Dave. I'm not, I'm not real good with the tingly, mushy stuff.
4: I, I'll tell you that. Uh, <laughs> I, you. you get older. I, t- I tear up on, uh, on on stupid movies. I watched the worst movie, The Flash, last night. And there was a point that I teared up. And you can imagine I've been an emotional wreck with my son moving out, uh, going up to UMass. So I was glad to see an SEC team beat the heck out of uh, his Minutemen. Uh, proves that he should, should have stayed in the South. but yeah I mean I could if we talk long enough about uh, the success we're having right now, I could probably I could probably tear up right now. You could get me to tear up right now.
0: Okay Dave, I'm sorry. I have to say the joke, but hookers probably love Minutemen <laughs>
4: <laughs> I've been on this earth for about 49 plus years. And that may be the best uh, joke about a hooker that I've ever seen. So uh, (laughs) let's get to right now. Um, Do you care if your coaches lie? Let me ask you that on the message board. Do you care if if it's best for your team? Do you even care that they lie, that they look into a camera? It's a morally wrong thing to do, right? I think Josh Hype will fit a little bit when he said Cooper Mays would be back in a couple of weeks um and I think there are situations in which I've been lied to and knew that the one that sticks in my craw the most still to this day is when I knew the black jerseys were being created in 2009 and we asked the athletic director at the time we asked the head coach Lane Kiffin and they said no I got no problem with no comment but I got a problem with line when it comes to injuries I think that you just say no comment, no comment, no comment. I'm not going to say anything. You don't provide the couple of weeks or anything like that. Um, I'm I'm nitpicking a little with the the Josh Heupel thing because if there's ever a gray area, it is injuries. But, Caleb, now we have uh, one Brian Kelly who got caught up in a little bit of a lie. So give me some background as we bring him up on the screen. Be sure and hit that like and subscribe button. As I remind you, portions of the program are brought to you by Zen Sports, including this portion. So um, let me ask you, what did Brian Kelly do? Why is he suddenly a liar? Brian Kelly was on a radio on his radio show.
0: There were rumors that he said, we're going to beat the heck out of Florida State. And he said, that's not something I would say. Well, then this eight-second clip was discovered. And it's only eight seconds, so I'll just play it real quick. Okay, shoot it. And that's not- Sorry? Sorry?
4: Go, go. Yeah, go right in. Okay, And, and that's not a disclaimer of, of any kind. We're going to go beat the heck out of Florida State. But
0: yeah, it's yeah. like literally an audio of him saying exactly what he said he didn't say.
4: Yeah. And um, I to, to me, that is not a great in, a sign of your character. But here's a simple fact. And you might not want to hear this, but 90 to 95% of the guys that get to this level of college football are probably not 100% honest all the time. Well, they're not 100% honest all the time. So you kind of take that as as it comes. I think the the question you, you have and listen. Josh Heupel, I'm sure, was shocked by the amount of coverage when he came in at, at Tennessee. I mean, that, he goes from probably, what, five reporters to 50 from UCF to Tennessee uh, on an average yeah, press but conference?
0: But it's kind of Oklahoma I had to prepare him for that, right?
4: That's fair. Yeah, good point. But you're suddenly the guy that's answering all the questions. And um, Brian Kelly should be more adept at this. Brian Kelly should be more aware that everything is on the record nowadays and I, i'm surprised he got caught up in that now does that mean he won't win a championship at lsu or wasn't a great hire absolutely not it doesn't mean that but um you know to to get caught in a lie is it's not the best thing and people will point to that if he struggles if he wins two championships three championships nobody's going to point back to september of 2023 and say remember that Tommy lied so ultimately, winning cures all, right? It does.
0: Brian Kelly and I, know, I, you, I, I said for a couple of years, I believe I believe in LSU under Brian Kelly because I believe in Brian Kelly as a coach, and I think LSU is just an amazing job to have. Even though they lost last week, Brian Kelly though is an awkward dude and has been caught in some embarrassing moments since he's been at LSU. I mean, there was the whole "me and my family" thing he said. Yes. Remember that <laughs> two years yes. ago the dancing with the recruit that ended up going to Alabama. Um, and then there's this. And now, again, I'm being unfair because, look, if Butch Jones does this, I'm laughing at him. I'm, he looks like a clown if he does it. But Brian Kelly's taken Notre Dame to two college football playoff appearances and a national title in an era where it's impossible to win at Notre Dame. Right. And so it, 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 it is different when Brian Kelly does it because you've seen what he's proven he can do on the field as a coach.
4: Same thing to a smaller extent. This was not a flat-out lie, but a couple of weeks means two weeks. Um, it doesn't mean a few weeks with the cooper May situation. And it's, it's a player who you, you – listen, Josh Heupel's insecure. Most great coaches are. He didn't want to go out there against Virginia and something crazy happened. I'm sure he knew that Tennessee was much better than Virginia, but he didn't want something crazy to happen where they get some sort of edge because Ollie Lane doesn't play as well as they thought because Cooper Mays can't play. Every coach is insecure that this stuff could get out, and in the end, that could cost you a football game. So that's why they wanted to keep that under wraps. That's why you'll hear the, the talking point will be that, he's going to, that Cooper Mays is going to play against Florida. I mean, that will be the talking point. Whether or not he does is a whole another issue. So you got to be careful in choosing your words. To me, that's way different than Brian Kelly just being caught in a flat-out lie that has nothing to do with injury. To some extent, when you deal with injuries, that's gamesmanship. If you want to say strictly by the letter of the law and what the good Lord said, yeah, in some cases, that's a lie. But I understand uh, the gamesmanship. Your thoughts on that. Uh, first, I want to remind you Zen Sports is the new sports book in Tennessee, revolutionizing the way you earn sports betting rewards. That means no more deposit bonuses that turn into deposit nightmares on Zen Sports. What you see is what you get with their cash rewards program. You get a lot of cash for a welcome bonus, earn an unlimited 5% cash back on your betting volume for your first 15 days when you sign up with the promo code hooked. That's hooked. That's right, unlimited 5% cash back. Keep betting, keep earning with up to 3% cash back on your betting volume every month after that. Refer friends to earn a percentage of their betting volume as cash rewards too. Zen Sports is bringing the cash back to Tennessee, so if you bet big on sports, you'll want to be betting on Zen Sports. Zen Sports betting just got better. Here's the thing, Caleb. If you're going to lie publicly, it makes it a lot harder for when one of your players gets in trouble. I've always said this. You... And I know it sounds weird. You might lie to the cops. You might lie to this guy, that guy, that guy. But when your head coach brings you into that office, the most after you've gotten in trouble, the most important moment of your football career is being a hundred percent honest. So, do you lose any of that credibility if you're Brian Kelly and you got caught in a lie, and you're one of those players, and you get called in after a domestic assault issue or after a driving issue, like in Georgia? Do you lose some of that credibility? Just look him in the eye and say, you have one opportunity to tell me the truth because that's the way those meetings shake out.
0: It depends on it,
4: some credibility.
0: I think you do, but it also somewhat depends on where the lie, how the lie comes or if it's a lie or not telling the truth. For instance, I think Josh Heifel has a lot of credibility with his players because he did everything he could to not rat out Jeremy Banks last year.
4: He didn't lie, but he that's was just. A, I'm, that is a great point that is a fantastic point. go ahead finish that
0: yeah he did everything he could you know he was forced into a question now he wasn't going to lie to the media and say there wasn't a fight because there was but he wasn't going to tell them that there was so he just said something physical game you know stuff happened and moved on and I think that's even though that's not the answer the media wants and even though that non-answer gives away the answer I think that gives him so much credibility with his players of I'm going to cover for you I'm not going to lie for you but I am going to cover for you wherever I can
4: no, and, and let's face it, what does it help to throw Jeremy Banks under the bus again with the South Carolina issue? It makes it look like you're look, making excuses, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it, it also hurts him publicly when in reality, an NFL scouts. I mean, where was Jeremy Banks drafted? He wasn't drafted. Exactly right. And you want to know why? It's because those NFL scouts came to them and said, can you tell me what really happened? And if he was a tweener, if he's going in the sixth, seventh round, you're not taking him because of what you heard from Tennessee's coaching staff. And that's the way you should handle it. So I don't understand why it would help to besmirch him in public at all. I thought he handled that incredibly well. You don't have to come out. Listen, there's fights all the time. Um, There's misunderstandings. Those things happen. The, the, The problem was that Tennessee didn't handle it well. Uh, And I'm talking about their players. Other than that, their leadership has been stupendous in-house. But they didn't handle it well there. Great point with the Jeremy Banks thing. I thought that was handled really well by Josh Highwell. Best it could have been.
0: Exactly. As opposed to, remember, funny we brought him up, but I will say, Josh Ward may be moving me a little bit. Remember Derek Dooley throwing Malik Jackson under the bus? You may have been covering ESPN by this point. I don't remember that. Malik Jackson was out for a practice one Tuesday. Um, He was apparently growing up and he just he something was happening and he needed to take practice off and do literally went to the media and said his tummy was hurt you can you can tell him he needed his mama out here and or his mommy his mama wasn't here yeah i mean just uh and like how do you keep your team when you do that how do you keep your team when you publicly embarrass a player like that
4: you don't you don't i mean that's the first step towards the end or that's one of these steps towards the end is he, it? And he
0: it is, and he said it to the media publicly. He said his tummy was hurt and his mommy wasn't there. Direct quote, and very similar to guys. Justin Fuente is probably never going to get another coaching job again, and if he does, he'll lose the team in a heartbeat because
4: he destroyed ass, him and Hooker's reputation.
0: He did. He did. He lied. He, said on he didn't
4: like work. to play in the cold.
0: Yes, and Hooker had a bad case of COVID, like one of the one of the worst case of, like was one of those that was actually negatively affected by it and Fuente goes out and said Hooker didn't want to play in the cold he lost the whole team at that point everybody on Virginia Tech knew he was lying every fan of Virginia Tech knew he was lying and you you can't throw your players under the bus lie or truth that's the one time uh, so I guess what I'm getting at is the one time lying is okay is if you're trying to protect a player but I still think the right moves to do what Hypo did was just to cover for them but just don't blatantly lie
4: Agreed. All right, let's get to our picks now. And they're brought to you in part by Campbell Cunningham, Taylor and Han. Enjoy life better when you see better. Local vision service for LASIK cataract surgery and regular eye exams. It's right down there below Uh, and you can click on it. It is ccteyes.com. Again, support our advertisers. We greatly appreciate that. And our sponsors are uh, so important to what we do. So we got the uh, SEC Slate. Do you, do you want a music bed or do you want something for this? We need like a or are you ready to get rolling here? Let's just go ahead and roll. Uh,
0: Caleb's Casino—that's what we're calling it, guys. <laughs>
4: Caleb's Casino. And, right. and our
0: three and our three best bets of the week—we're going to call them the Hooker Special. So
4: a Hooker Special—I a- like that. All right, here we go. So what do we All got? Right.
0: So uh, last week we went. Just want to point this out. Got back going. We went eleven and six last week. I did go one and two on the three best bets, but we're twelve and nine. We're making a profit for the year, Dave. So we're doing this right. All right, so first, Wake Forest, I got them covering the 10-point spread against Vanderbilt. Where are you at with that?
4: Uh, I'll roll with Wake covering the 10. Um, I'm on you, under
0: 56, though.
4: I'm in the under as well, because I think Vanderbilt will be able to control the ball somewhat.
0: All right, so wait, I need I need uh, Tracy Morgan and the other guy.
4: Oh, the other guy. <laughs> that makes me feel old. So I'm going to go with... Hey, now. That's Hank Kingsley. So I agree with that. Caleb's making you money. Here we go. All right. Ball
0: State covers the 42-point spread against Georgia. Or Georgia will not cover the 42-point spread against Ball State. I got Ball State plus 42. That's crazy.
4: Tracy Morgan thinks that's crazy, and so do I. I got Georgia covering that number. Give me one reason you don't.
0: I don't believe in Mike Bobo. I'm calling him Mike Dodo and Carson (laughs) – Carson Beck is the quarterback I'm seeing 42 to seven with this one so I'm going the under 52 as well
4: Elias says this weekend is full of road favorites that I'm looking at so I might just be hands off completely yeah Uh, oftentimes a good time in gambling is knowing when to pass who's up next
0: all right Tulane Ole Miss this is the toughest one to bet but I actually have Ole Miss is favored by seven and a half. I'm taking Tulane on the points, not to win it outright, but on the points. I don't think Ole Miss wins by more than a touchdown. It's at we Tulane. only
4: agree on Vandy so far, Tracy. That's crazy. No, I think uh, Ole Miss covers that number. Um, and I think there's motivation to recruit well in Louisiana, and Lane Kiffin knows that. So if he has an opportunity to pull away, you will. All right, what else you got?
0: Well, also, I'm going under 67. I don't know where you're going. I think that just way too high
4: uh um, I, I will i will uh i'll agree with you on the uh over under
0: all right so texas a&m is favored by four at miami i don't know if miami is going to win out right but i think that number's too high i got miami plus four playing at home against texas a&m
4: hey now i agree with you there by the way travis likes uh, Tulane at home plus the points uh so i agree with you on that one as well what's up next uh,
0: an under fifty-one for Miami and Texas A&M. I don't think there's going to be a lot of scoring in this game. All right, here's the here's the toughest one for me because this is a giant spread, but I got Arkansas covering the thirty-eight point spread against Kent State. Kent State lost fifty-six to six last week to Central Florida. Hey now,
4: uh the hey now you get because I'm stunned. The pick that's crazy. Arkansas, I mean, they would have to. I just I don't see that offense producing what forty-eight. Because the 38th is, is the spread, but you'd have I mean you gotta think Kent State's gonna score something, right? I'm going like 52 to 13, so I'm taking the over as well. Eek. Okay. Yeah. Um that's crazy. I don't like either of those, but anyway, I like you.
0: <laughs> All right, big one of the week. Alabama, Texas. I got Alabama covering seven-point spread. I think Alabama covers at home against Texas.
4: Seven. Ooh. Ooh. That's saucy. I didn't think that's the direction you were going to go. I purposefully didn't look at your column, which is on sports.com, so we could discuss it. I thought you would go in the other direction. That doesn't mean that
3: you suck. That yeah, means that – That's crazy.
4: Okay, no way. I think – Go ahead. You think Texas puts up a fight? I think Texas puts up a fight. I've got the upset alert out on this one.
0: I've got – Texas fans are calling for Arch Manning to start in a week. I've got everybody Ooh. wants Arch Manning to start by Monday. That's that's going to happen. And I got the under in this one because I still don't believe in Jalen Milro, but I don't believe in Texas's offense at all. So I got the under 54. I'm seeing like 24 to 10 Alabama.
4: Great point by Travis. I'd take Alabama plus 14. So a revenge game. Um yeah. Good point. Cause they they looked pretty bad last year. Uh, I, by the way, I'm terrible at picking games. Listen to Caleb more often. I'll tell you what I'm good at, what I'm not good at. I'm pretty good at supporting and I think hosting and some stuff, but I'm not great at picking games. All right, what do you got?
0: All right, so this one I'm, I'm really I'm, – I'm mixed on, Dave, so I might actually lean on you. Missouri is a three-touchdown favorite versus MTSU. I'm taking Missouri with the points, but I'll acknowledge I am not fully committed to it against MTSU.
1: Oh my gosh.
4: I got a source at MTSU. Let me see how things are going there. I'm always picking against Missouri. By the way, I'm going to pick with my heart. Listen to Caleb and I'm going to pick with my heart and uh, let's keep track of these by the end of the year. What's next?
0: All right. So also over 48. I think that's too low. All right. So Mississippi state nine point favorite versus Arizona. I do think they're going to cover that just because it's in Starkville and I'm taking the under 60.5. Quietly moving past Mike Leach, Zach Garnett has turned Mississippi State into a defensive team, and Arizona can play a little slobby. I think in Starkville at night with the Cowbells, I think that's enough for Mississippi State to cover. Agreed. Hey now. All right, and then the next one, Auburn-Cal. Auburn is a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Dave, I'm sorry, that's a night game at Cal, which means it's like 10-30 for Auburn time. I, I think they'll win. I think they're going to struggle a little bit, though, with Cal. I think Cal's going to put up a fight at night
4: now. i can roll with that and your best bets
0: and all right so best bets wake forest minus 10 versus vanderbilt i, I i'm pretty big on that one uh, uh now. okay auburn cal not the spread but the over 54.5 is too low uh even though it'll be closer than 6.5 i think hugh freeze will put up i think both teams will put up 30 points and that great and here's my big one Everybody's thinking Colorado is going to come back down to earth. And I'm not saying Colorado isn't being a little bit overhyped, but I think Vegas overreacted and made it, gave them a three-point line against Nebraska. They're playing Nebraska at home. I I just, they're too athletic on the outside. I think they cover the three-point spread against Nebraska.
4: It'll be easier to defend because people know what to defend. But, um, (sighs) yeah. I think Colorado does play well, and I think they win Damn. that game. So uh, that, that's a tough one, and Nebraska's horrible.
0: So. Yeah, Nebraska's – I think Nebraska long-term is in a good situation with Matt Rule. I, I actually – would. I, I might even take Matt Rule over Deion Sanders long-term as a head coach, but I think just right now, given the transfers Dion brought in, I mean, Nebraska is going to win the trenches, but they are not fast enough to hang with Colorado on the outside.
4: It's a football Friday with Fred next week. You know that we love that next week, tomorrow, that is. A football Friday with Fred every Friday. So the lineup is strong as we've got the ball report with Jacob Warren and Cooper Mays. That'll come up Sunday. So we'll look back on um, the um, uh, Austin P game. Also, we got uh, that Sunday show with Fred brought to you by our friends at Harold Group Security Solutions and uh, so we'll have that over the weekend but it all starts a football Friday with Fred and that is brought to you by our friends at uh, the Harold Group Security Solutions and uh Super says I'm stuck in the 90s with the John Boy and Billy soundboard Yeah wow <laughs> you suck you duck ass <laughs> have a fantastic Day, evening, morning, whenever you're watching.
0: Happy opening day for NFL.
4: There we go. We're off and rolling and uh, coming up on our Celebrate 98 series. No soundboard for you, Super Track. But we will have T. Martin and uh, Phillip Fulmer, so looking forward to that. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a presentation of Off the Hook Sports.
2: I'm your huckleberry. <laughs> That's ChumbaCasino.com.
0: No purchase necessary. Void. were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
2: If you own a vehicle with
3: less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up.